Hello, and welcome to Accountability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. I'm happy to have today on the show David Vogt. He's the chairman from the Governmental Accounting Standards Board, or GASB. We'll talk about how the GASB is organized, the membership, how standards come up for creation and review and update, and many other topics. So without further ado, here's the show. Good morning and welcome to the podcast. So today we have Dave Vout from the uh, from Gasby, and uh, we're very happy to have him here today. So good morning, Dave. Good morning, Paul, and thank you and AGA for inviting me to join you. Okay, well, let's start off a, a little bit about yourself. You know, just let us know your background, what what your role is at Gasby, and we'll start with that. Super. Well, I currently serve as the chairman of the Governmental Accounting Standards Board, as we call Gasby. And uh, I, in that role, I lead a seven-member board that is responsible for setting the accounting standards for state and local governments in the United States. Uh, my past experience is I was an audit partner with a big four firm and took early retirement from there and ran for elective office as Iowa State Auditor. I was elected three times and then uh, resigned in the middle of my third term to take this position here in Norwalk, Connecticut as Gatsby's chairman, which has been a great opportunity for me. Okay. Now, so I want this podcast to be a little educational. Um, actually, I did one a few uh, months back on FaceSab and uh, really wanted to kind of see how, you know, Gasby compares to that. Um, and, you know, obviously the, 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 the span of your, the scope of your organization compared to FaceSab. But uh, why don't we just start off with, you know, again, you mentioned the board. How is, how is Gasby organized? Yeah, well, maybe I, I'll start out, Paul, for you, even just talking about uh, we're organized under what's called the Financial Accounting Foundation. Um, the foundation is an independent private sector, not-for-profit organization that is responsible for appointment not only of the members of the GASB, but also our sister board, the FASB, or the Financial Accounting Standards Board. And this foundation is actually governed by a 14 to 18 member board of trustees who come from varied backgrounds. Um, there are users, preparers, and auditors of financial statements on the trustees. There are state and local government officials, there's academics, and there's regulators serving on that foundation board of trustees. And these trustees are actually responsible for providing oversight of the FASB and the GASB, and also financing the board's operations, and more importantly, promoting an independent and effective standard setting process. And when you take a look at just the GASB itself, we're actually seven members, including the chair, and the chair is actually the only full-time GASB member. Um, the GASB vice chair serves as a half-time role, and the other GASB members actually serve in a one-third role. So we're definitely a part-time board. And the GASB members come from different backgrounds and bring different perspectives that really enhance the deliberative process. The current members of the board and their backgrounds include myself, which I mentioned brings the perspective of a state auditor from Iowa. Um, Vice Chair is Jeff Praviti, who brings the user perspective, having been with a rating agency and is from New York. Jim Brown, who brings the public accounting perspective and is from Missouri. Brian Caputo, who brings the local government preparer perspective and is from Illinois. Michael Granoff, who brings the academic perspective and is from Texas. Chris Knight, who brings a state preparer perspective and is from Delaware. 
And then David Sundstrom, who brings the local government auditor perspective, and it's from California. So you can see we have a very diverse board, which really aids in the discussions that we have. It's always interesting as we sit at the table and discuss issues. We might come to the table with certain perceptions of how we think we're going to vote on different issues, but when we hear the perspectives of the other board members, many a times we change those positions. So that is really what aids and I think helps developing the strong standards that we're working on. As a, as a board, we act, since we're part-time, we meet in Norwalk, Connecticut once every six weeks, and we do a meeting for two and a half days when we meet. And then in between those in-person meetings, we actually hold a half-day conference, teleconference meeting. And I would like to let all of our uh, listeners know that all these meetings are webcast live, so anybody can uh, tune in and watch the deliberations. Oh, good. Uh, and, and, and just to be clear, you know, who exactly is meant to follow the uh, GASB standards? You know, what types of organizations? Yeah, it's all, it, it's, it applies to all state and local governments. And then as far as the applicability, who has to follow them, that is pretty much set by state law. So the states will tell which cities, counties, school districts, and other governmental entities must follow GAP. There are uh, obviously entities out there that uh, are smaller and don't follow GAP, but anybody that's going to issue generally accepted accounting principle financial statements uh, follow the GASB standards. Okay. Um, and I'll talk a, bit, a little bit more about the structure and some of the, the sources and inputs and people that review things there. Um, now, there's this group called the Governmental Accounting Standards Advisory Council. The, I'm not sure what the acronym is, how you pronounce it. but So what is that group, and how do they interact with you, with you all? Yeah, it, we refer to it as GASAC, um, and I'll just refer to it as the Advisory Council. But they're actually responsible for consulting with the GASB on things like project priorities, technical issues that we have on the GASB's agenda, and then even possible new agenda items. And the advisory council is made up actually of about 30 members who represent a very broad cross-section of GASB stakeholders. Uh, These members are actually appointed by the trustees, the board of trustees, for a two-year term, and then they're eligible to be reappointed for two additional two-year terms So in other words, they can serve a total of six years. Um, The advisory council actually meets with the GASB three times a year. And these meetings are really important because they provide the GASB with the opportunity to obtain and discuss the views of a very diverse group of individuals from varied professional backgrounds. So it really gives us a chance to talk about the projects that the the board is working on, get their input and feedback on, on the different issues that we're trying to address, and then the board can consider those as we have our deliberations at the board table. And we've designed those meetings to take place um, prior to our individual meetings, and that allows us to definitely consider the feedback that we heard from the advisory council as we deliberate those. And I would also mention that our GASEC meetings are also webcast live, so AGA members are able to tune in. Okay. So now, the, the, that advisory council, is it meant primarily to provide, you know, more expert ad, advice on certain topics, or do they also bring new topics to you for consideration? It's both. They provide uh, input on the projects that we're actually working on. As we go through different issues, we actually ask them questions and get their input. And then they also, we have a section in the agenda for the advisory council where members are able to bring up new issues and so forth. And then each March when the advisory council meets, 
we actually go through what we call a project prioritization where the members go through and we have a list of the different topics and ideas that have been brought to the board through technical inquiries and other sources and they help rank what they think is the highest priorities for the GASB to consider in the future and the board considers that as we set the agenda going forward. Okay, and let's talk about that agenda a little bit. So I'm guessing, do you all have something akin to a strategic plan or long-term plan or agenda of items that you, you're planning to cover over a certain amount of years, or how do you organize that? Yeah, we have our, our technical agenda that uh, we review three times a year and look at the projects that are on board, look at the resources available to work on those projects, and then looking at the projects that we've completed and what to add. Uh, what we actually do is we start with generally most projects start in a research activity phase, which is before they get to the current technical agenda. And in those phases, we're primarily looking at what is the issue and what are the possible solutions to address that issue and what, what should the scope of the project be. And I would tell you that really to gain a, a better understanding, we seek input from what we call our task forces and consultative groups during that process. Uh, we assemble them during that pre-agenda research phase to get their ideas and thoughts on the fundamental portion of what we're working with. And the task forces are also assembled on most of our major projects. And they both, both task forces and consultative groups serve as a sounding board for the board. Uh, they provide feedback as we go through our research activity and then even throughout the entire project. They provide input just like board members do on the papers and the questions that the staff provide the board as we reach conclusions on major portions of the standards that we're working on. So definitely a, a place for activities that are involved and it gives us a chance to reach out to a greater number of stakeholders that can participate in these task forces and consultative groups. Okay, and actually something just thought that occurred to me here, but um, maybe part of the, the membership of those task forces, but in general, um, you know, to what extent does GASB look at, you know, FASB, FASAP, even international standards that are already out there? Is that pretty much a consideration for anything new, or do any of those, any folks in that community join your, your task forces when you're deliberating a new, a new uh, standard? Great question, and, and definitely, um, as, as a standard setter, all of us reach out to the other standard setters to see what they're doing, and there are definitely, we work closely with our sister board, the FASB. Uh, we also work with the International Public Sector Accounting Standards Board that sets standards internationally. So we definitely reach out to all the other standard setters, learn from what they've learned, but then we address what that particular issue is within the environment that we're trying to deal with. So, but we can learn a great deal from each other and we can definitely leverage off the work of each other. So it's a, a great way to work together. And we do certain projects where we've teamed up. Definitely we do some projects where we're coordinating with the FASB, our sister board. We've also worked on joint projects with the International Public Sector Accounting Standards Board. So uh, a lot of activity goes on with our teams um, on the standard setters from different organizations. Okay. Well, uh, so let's get a little bit into the actual standard setting process, you know, kind of from A to Z, where, what, you know, where, what triggers that, you know, the, you all think you need a new standard or a revision to a standard, and then kind of the deliberations and all the way through, you know, people reviewing, giving feedback, and then a final standard setting, you know, kind of what's the A to Z process? Yeah, well, I think it's, it's important to, to look at Gadby's mission statement, which really requires the board to 
weigh carefully the views of its stakeholders when it develops its concepts and standards. And really, the due process is the vehicle through which the GASB can accomplish that vital part of its mission. Uh, I think many people probably think of a, the due process starts when the board requests uh, comments on a proposed standard, but I'd like to, the AG members to know that it actually starts with, when a project is being considered for addition to the GASB's technical agenda. Uh, I mentioned previously the advisory council and the task forces and consultative groups. They play an important role in helping us prioritize what issues, and then they help determine the scope of the project. So that due process starts very early on, and the input that we receive from stakeholders is absolutely critical to the process. The feedback that we get from preparers, auditors, and users really helps us to establish strong and improved standards, and we couldn't do it without the involvement of our stakeholder group. And that, that feedback and involvement happens throughout the development of the standards, and in many cases, we'll issue more than one due process document that provides multiple opportunities for stakeholders to get involved. And Paul, what I always tell our stakeholders is, the only ideas off the table are the ones that you don't share with us. So we definitely want to hear from our stakeholders. And uh, does AGA also, uh, are they involved in this review process? Definitely. All of our stakeholders can be involved in the review of exposure drafts and participating in these task forces and uh, consultative groups. But AGA definitely uh, has a role. As an organization, uh, AGA provides comment letters issued by its Financial Management Standards Board. But I would also encourage AGA, AGA members to provide their own individual input on our due process documents. You, members might not totally agree with where the uh, Financial Management Standards Board uh, position was, but we like to hear from multiple stakeholders. So it's important that AGA members know that they can also provide their own personal input. So, you know, let's say you have a, a, a standard going around or a concept or any, any, any document going around and you've gotten a couple of rounds of feedback, um, you know, so what now what, how, what goes into the finalization of, uh, of putting this standard out officially? Yeah, it's, I think it's important for stakeholders to, to understand that their feedback is very important to the board. The comment letters that uh, are submitted on due process documents are actually circulated to all the board members so we get to see them as they're coming in. And then the staff also summarizes different comments by topic areas and so forth. So we really look at the, the comments and the input that we receive from stakeholders at least twice during the process. And it's a very part, very much an important part of our discussions and the deliberations as we go through and re-deliberate issues based upon that feedback. And I can tell you that uh, all it really takes is one well-developed recommendation that is well supported that can convince the board to make a change to a standard that they're developing so it's important to get input from all of our stakeholders right and then now as far as some of the final products obviously standards and maybe even concepts but you also put out you know interpretations implementation guides even what kind of you know when how do you decide that you need for example a implementation guide or an interpretation you know what goes into that yeah i would i would tell the the listeners that the primary way that we communicate our uh, accounting standards is through the statements that we actually issue. But to aid in the implementation of those standards, the GASB also clears implementation guides. I would tell you that for most major projects that we work on, we will do a lot of times an individual implementation guide. 
We did implementation, two implementation guides related to pensions. We did two related to uh, other post-employment benefits or OPEP. Uh, we're doing some currently um, on leases and fiduciary activities, which really help the preparers and the auditors and users better understand how the standards are to be implemented and provides clarity on some of the issues within those. But I would also tell people that in addition to the standards and the implementation guides, we actually bring them in together in what we call an annual codification, which brings all the thing, all the guidance together uh, by topic, so it's an easy reference guide. And all these tools, the standards, the implementation guides, and the codification are available free of charge on our website. So those resources are readily available to AGA members. Great. Well, now, why don't we uh, switch over to some of the major projects that you all have going on right now? I believe there, there's, a, I think, a, a three big projects going on right now. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, we, we refer to uh, these projects as the big three, and that's because the board is currently in the process of doing a what I would call a comprehensive review of government financial reporting through these three projects. And those projects are, one, the reexamination of the financial reporting model, two, revenue and expense recognition, and three, note disclosures. And what we're really looking at doing is, based upon the research that we did on the financial reporting model, we found that overall it was working well, but there were some target improvement areas. So we're working at looking at trying to make some targeted improvements to the reporting model. And then we'll also provide, through the revenue and expense recognition project, better guidance on how to recognize revenues and expenses within that new model. And then the last project on note disclosures, we'll look at evaluating how to determine what notes are needed to appropriately understand all that financial information. So these three projects are long-ranging uh, projects. Um, the financial reporting model project, which is the first one we kicked off, we're doing these three together, uh, won't actually wrap up probably until 2021 or so. So there will be lots of opportunities for input and so forth. And these projects will have what I would call a lasting impact on financial reporting for governments over the next couple of decades. Yeah, that's great. And, I, and I'll just personally say, you know, when I was studying for my uh, CGFM test there, you know, I, I'm more of a federal accounting background and, and FASB as well. So some of the GASB concepts were new to me and that modified accrual accounting was always uh, fascinating with how you guys do revenue and things like that. So that's, that's, that's a very unique thing, I think. It really is. And I think a lot of people don't understand that, that actually in the model that we have for financial reporting, there is what we call government-wide financial statements, which are on a full accrual basis, so they give you that longer-term view. And then there are individual fund financial statements, which use that modified accrual uh, basis of accounting to provide a shorter-term uh, look at finances and stuff. So it's really a dual-perspective look within the uh, state and local government financial reports. Right. Now, uh, a couple other um, areas I think you guys said you were working on, and maybe just give our listeners a little info. Um, now, subscription-based IT arrangements, what are you all looking at as far as that goes? Yeah, uh, the way businesses and governments access te technology today is, is totally different. Uh, the, the days of internally developed software um, have gone by the way. Instead, IT needs are being addressed through what we see as subscription-based arrangements. So that raises questions on about how to account for the cost 
associated with these arrangements. So the board is tackling that issue to get better guidance on these new arrangements and how government should account for the costs associated with them. Okay. And um, also, uh, I believe you guys are working on secured overnight financing rate, some of the LIBOR-related activities. Yeah, and that's really uh, driven by the fact that the LIBOR reference rate is scheduled to end in 2021. And many governments in, and, and private industry, too, have instruments such as derivatives that reference the LIBOR rate. And so the question becomes, does the change from LIBOR when it goes away, over which the government has no control and has to move to a different rate, result in the termination of an effective hedge? So uh, the board will be working closely with our sister board, the FASB, and other standard setters who are also looking at the same issue. But it's definitely an, an issue that's going to be coming up in 2021, so we're trying to get ahead of the, the game there. Okay, and that's interesting. So I'm just curious, to what extent do some of the state governments participate in some of these more exotic, you know, things like derivatives and, you know, how much of that is really going on in the state governments? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. You see probably more of that when you look at uh, governments that are handling their pension plans and so forth to get into some of those arrangements. There are certain debt agreements and so, so forth that also reference the library rate and stuff. So it's pretty encompassing, and many of those uh, extend for long term when it comes to debt and, and hedging and so forth. So these uh, issues will be out there for, for quite some time going forward. Okay, and uh, I also was curious to know about... Um you know, you have some things that you would consider a comprehensive project, some things that are considered a narrow project. What What, what is that differentiation or what does that mean? Yeah, uh, the way I would look at it is our comprehensive projects are what I would call very broad in scope. Um, examples would be like the big three that we're talking about, comprehensive look at financial reporting and how revenues and expenses are accounted for and what note disclosures should be required. Um, those projects tend to, I would say, be a little more controversial, and they also warrant a longer timeline in order to gather the necessary input and feedback from our stakeholders. So generally on comprehensive projects like that, and we're doing that right now with, these big, with the big three, we will do three separate due prospect due process documents. We'll do an invitation to comment. That will be followed by a preliminary views, and that will be followed then by an exposure draft. So it provides three unique opportunities to get stakeholder input. And when we're in the invitation to comment phase, we're really just putting ideas out there and getting input from our stakeholders. When we go to the preliminary view stage, the board is starting to coalesce around a view, but we want additional input from stakeholder groups before we start to solidify that. And then obviously when we go to the exposure draft, that's more where the board thinks is the right position to be and wants the feedback from stakeholders as we finalize it. So it, uh, those comprehensive projects definitely take longer and uh, take a lot of stakeholder input. The more narrow projects, uh, Paul, I would say are, are practice issues like the subscription-based IT arrangements and the secured overnight financing rate projects that we talked about. These practice issues are can usually be addressed in one due process document, simply an exposure draft, and are much more narrow, narrow in focus. So it's a lot easier to go through the due process document, process usually with just one document. Okay. 
Um, and you know, one other thing I was just thinking about. Um, do you uh, in Gatsby starts? Do you feel like things are converging more in the standards world these days? Or you know, I know you guys are unique in, in what you do, but I mean, for example, FaceAb. I mean, some of the least standards recently seem to sound like a lot more like the face, you know, uh, the FASB ones, um, you know, even international standards. So do you think, uh, you see convergence in the environment out there a little bit? I think definitely, you know, there's probably more convergence on the private side than there is on the government side, just because the structure and organization within governments across the world is different, but we definitely learn from each other. And we work very closely with FaceApp on the LISA standard. In fact, they followed the work that we were doing and in many cases um, had a lot of the same language and uh, even used a lot of the same language in their basis for conclusion. So it's definitely a place where we're always working with each other and to the extent that the environment uh, calls for the same type of answers, we'll definitely be there. To the extent the environment calls for different answers, we're willing to go the route that we need to go. But that's where the stakeholder input is important to us. Okay. Well, Dave, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and enlightening us all about Gasby and what you all do. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was great. Now, thank you very much. Well, thank you for the opportunity, and uh, we encourage HEA members to continue to stay tuned with what the Gasby's doing, and uh, we appreciate uh, all that AGA does to provide comment letters, provide people that serve on our task forces and consulting groups and just encourage people if they haven't been able to do that and have an interest to give us a, a holler and we'd be glad to get them on our list of people that uh, would like to participate in our groups. Great. Thanks again. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. Go to our website, agacgfm.org, and you'll find all kinds of other podcasts. In fact, you should check out our companion piece on FaceAB. Episode 15 with the chairman Scott Showalter and Roger Von Elm from AGA's uh, Financial Management Standards Board. So go check that out. It's a nice companion piece to the Gatsby podcast that we just finished here. So until next time, this is Paul Marshall signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA.